1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103
3: very good Thursday morning to you. Staying with the weather according to Metair and the sunny weather that we're experiencing at the moment is set to continue for the next few days and temperatures expected to hit highs of 17 degrees on most days. Now while we're going to have these nice mild days, 17 degrees sunny spells, flip side of, uh, of it is the night times are going to be quite chilly. Um, temperatures are close to zero most at nights so it took a warm and in, in bed but certainly the days are looking nice across the bank holiday weekend could be a little bit of light rain throughout Saturday but nothing too much the temperatures will fall a little bit on Saturday but then on Sunday they're going to go back again to 17 degrees so it could be a nice bank holiday weekend long overdue this bit of sunshine is it not John Paul's taking your calls at 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and of course our emails are all Always open to you. The easiest way to email is Patricia at c103.ie. And actually, Greg is in with an email uh, this morning, and it it, it 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 he makes a couple of interesting points, and uh, we'll give it out there to see. Do you agree or disagree? Greg says hi, Patricia. Covid seems to be on the wane, thankfully, but who's to say that there won't be another spike in the autumn? Bearing this in mind, I think it's very short-sighted of the government to be allowing limitless numbers of people from Ukraine to come here with absolutely no regard for COVID. Only 34% of Ukrainians are fully vaccinated. They should be obliged to get vaccinated as a condition of entry. No doubt our government will say they can't do that. At the very least, the Ukrainians should be encouraged to get vaccinated. Now, I don't know, you know, you've got refugees fleeing a war situation, Greg. I don't know if you'd stand at the border and say nobody's allowed in unless they're vaccinated. I I absolutely could never see any country doing that. But you are right. There is a low uptake of vaccine in, in Ukraine. And you're right. What should happen when they arrive here, we should, you know, we should have people... And with Ukrainian, with the Ukrainian language to explain to them how successful vaccinations have been in this country and encourage them to get vaccinated. I certainly would agree with you on that, but I, I wouldn't be of the view that we should have any kind of a rule in place where we stand at the border and say you're not allowed in unless you are vaccinated. They're fleeing a war at the end of the day. But when you say that COVID seems to have waned, but who's to say that there won't be another spike in the autumn? We had David Navarro of the World Health Organization only yesterday coming out and reckons there'll be another wave of COVID-19. I think he said in about another six weeks he reckons every three months we're going to see waves of COVID-19 and there'll be different strains of it every time. The only thing that we can hope with the way it's going is with each strain that comes um, while it might be more contagious it doesn't seem to make people as uh, sick and already we can see there is a waning of COVID-19 here. Our hospitalizations are obviously con- continuing to And the Taoiseach Micheál Martin is already saying, look, we can't be completely complacent. We can't say the COVID-19 is gone. And he was talking yesterday about the challenges that we face as we go into next autumn and as we go into next winter. But looking at the figures at the moment in hospitals as of yesterday, the number of COVID patients in hospital fell to 436 that was down 43 on the previous day but you compare the 436 people in hospital with COVID at the moment compare that to the just to the end of last month so about three weeks ago we were at 1624 so there's been a huge fall off on the people in hospital and even the intensive care patients as of yesterday 38 people were in intensive care being treated for coronavirus but. That's 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 way below the figure of just under a hundred, where we were at in mid-January. So the numbers certainly, are falling off, and people are not getting as sick. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with vaccinations and uh, boosters. So the Taoiseach was talking about, you know, the challenges going forward, and COVID is, you know, it's not gone. We, you know, we're coming out of it, but we're not out of it uh, fully. And he spoke about you know that new oversight group which has been set up. At the moment, it's been chaired by our Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan, and he said, you know, he's asking them to look look ahead to the autumn to look ahead to the winter and certainly in the winter months we are expecting another surge and he said that this new group will be providing a more multidisciplinary approach to the new phase and one of the challenges and all of the challenges that we will face as we head into the autumn and into the winter. And of course, at the moment, what's happening here when it comes to vaccinations and boosters is we've got the rollout of the second booster. And this is for people over the age of 65 and those who are immune compromised. I certainly have a family member who got her uh, uh, second vaccine and she got it at her GPs. I know we had somebody yesterday or the day before messaging us saying, are pharmacies going to be doing it? I did read something over the weekend that pharmacies, I don't know if they're on board yet doing the vaccinations. We might get on to Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in In Mallow, he's kind of been our go to when it comes to vaccinations to see what is happening with the over 65s and the immune compromised. And then we had Jack, one of our listeners, who is in his 40s. And he's wondering, he said he would be happy to get a second booster as well, particularly before we head into the autumn or the the winter. He's not too worried about the summer months, but he certainly would be worried as we head into the autumn and winter months. So at the moment, there is no talk of people under 65 getting a second booster unless they are immune compromised. But who knows, that certainly could change. And then Denmark has become the first country to suspend its COVID-19 vaccination programme their health authority there said that they feel they have brought the virus under control and because of that they don't need a vaccination programme at the moment the Danish Health Authority said high levels of vaccination a drop in the number of new infections stabilisation of people who are in hospital were all of the contributing factors to the decision now to halt their national immunisation rollout uh, programme now they do say that they plan they will re. Open the vaccination program into the autumn. So obviously they are, like every other country, listening to the World Health Organization, and certainly expecting that there will be a surge into the autumn and into the in, into the winter. And Denmark. They, their country and their government were the first EU country to remove all of their pandemic-related domestic restrictions and they did it very early. It was the 1st of February when Denmark removed all of the domestic uh, restrictions and they at that point announced that the virus was no longer considered a critical threat to the people of Denmark. So now they have decided to also halt their vaccination programme. I don't know when the same will happen uh, here. Michael in Casteltenberg has been under us by WhatsApp this morning to say that there is a cool chilling North Atlantic breeze blowing over the Jersey Island cable car and indeed the entire Bear Peninsula this morning with what Michael says is the unbelievable news that uh, a few people can control the lives of the people of the Bear Peninsula and are trying and have succeeded again by blocking the cable car projects. Um, he goes on to say that no man or woman should be allowed to come into this peninsula and tell its natives what to do and what they cannot do. He feels that this day is long long past and what Michael is referring to is the story that we were running earlier on our news and this is the call on Cork County Council to clarify if they're going to proceed with a fresh application for the development of the new cable car system for Jersey Island Now actually the, our own Cork Senator Tim Lambert says he's, he's really really disappointed that on board Panola will concede in a challenge by Friends of the Irish Environment against the planning approval for the project Senator Tim Lambert has heralded the upgrade of the cable car system along with the development of the visitor centre, the cafe and the car park on the mainland as a major project and I think everybody in the area accepts that it's a major pro- pro- project. Tim has described the decision by our Board granola as a significant setback and is now calling on Cork County Council to state its intentions and whether any new app application will result in a reduced project for Jersey so I can see why Michael and others on the Bear Peninsula are so bitterly disappointed by that. We'll keep a close eye and see what comes back from Cork County Council but very very disappointing news uh, for people because that was and has been heralded a fantastic project for the area. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. text or WhatsApp 0862 one o three, one
2: o three. Cork today on C one o three with
1: Sean Cusack Insurance's kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
3: Now, young people want the voting age to be lowered to sixteen to have their voice included in the political system. That's according to a new report which is just out from the Children's Rights Alliance. Joining me from the Alliance, Julia Hearn, who's head of legal policy and services. Good morning, Julia. Julie. Good morning Patricia. And you're you're very welcome to the programme. Now the report was entitled Voice Rights Action. Did it set out to better understand children's knowledge of their own rights?
4: It did indeed and it looked to see what children know about their rights, the gaps in their knowledge and skills and then also to develop some recommendations about what should happen to address these gaps through things like education policy and practice. And the report made some really interesting findings, particularly around education, where they focused on what education they were already getting. And the research found that children and young people have actually established ideas and understandings of what their rights are. A child who's been discriminated against knows what their rights are, but the issue for them was actually the lack of enforcement of the rights, other people's attitudes towards children and young people, and the fact that they felt their education on children's rights did not go far enough. They thought that what they need is actually more comprehensive education, looking at real life practical situations, looking at what children can do when something goes wrong, the remedies that are available to them, but also looking at how they can be supported in enforcing their rights.
3: And, is, and that, is that not currently covered in the school curriculum?
4: Well, they felt that the school curriculum as it currently stands gave them a really good baseline understanding about what rights are and what rights they have. And they felt that what was needed now, because they think they felt the children and young people, through their research they found, actually grasped that very well, that it needs to just be more complex now and more sophisticated. So, recognising that children have a really good understanding and how that can be built upon within the education system. So, the education system has done a good job at getting them so far and further, to be honest, than what a lot of people probably think children have in terms of their knowledge. But the issue is now, I suppose, what the young people want is they want something more. They want something more, more developed, and um, that gives them that insight as to what they can do when things go wrong, and how they then can ensure that there are supports in place for them and for their peers.
3: And I loved the fact, uh, Judy, that some of the researchers were were co researchers were as young as twelve.
4: They were. So we we are a membership based body in the Children's Rights Alliance, and we put a call out to our members who work all over the country with children, young people and families, supporting them in every area of their lives. And we had, uh, one researcher was 12, another who was 15, 17, 13, 16 and another 16-year-old. And they joined two uh, adult researchers from the School of Education, UCD. And they were the co-researchers in the report. So they would have done a lot of the research, they would have developed the recommendations and they would have really engaged in the issue, which is really an exciting way of coming at an issue brilliant. like this.
3: Brilliant. I think it's brilliant because it really is the voices of young people. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it's, it's, it's terrific. And reading through the report, I mean, young people appear to have a clear desire for social justice and the need to protect vulnerable young people. I mean, to me, that bodes very well for, for the future, doesn't it?
4: It does. And I think added to that was their knowledge of the complexity of rights, particularly for young people who might face multiple types of discrimination, you know, young people who may be living in poverty and then of a socio-economic group that are maybe more um, susceptible to be discriminated against, such as travellers or children with disabilities. So they really to understanding the interconnectedness of rights, the complexity, how things are more difficult for certain groups of children. And they came up with some really interesting recommendations around that, and that they felt that they wanted special protections for these groups of children, young people, and examples they were given would have been, you know, more accessible infrastructure for children with disabilities, better access to mental health services... So they really did grapple not only with, I suppose, knowledge of rights, but then the practical implementation about what children and young people are facing and what their peers are facing. And as you say, that bodes incredibly well, yeah. not only for the
3: future, but for the present as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, we, of course, had a children's rights referendum in this country. And when I knew you were coming on today, I was looking it up. I mean, it was, that was actually 10 years ago. I couldn't <laughs> believe it was, it was 10 years ago. As a country, do young people have their voices heard, do you believe?
4: I mean, as a country, we've done a really good job in listening to children. And that was something that children and young people were very powerful about at our launch earlier on this week, that they actually were consulted quite a bit and that they felt that they were listened to. But the difficulty for them is that they feel that sometimes they're not taken seriously because they're not adults and that's something I think that was really interesting to come out of the research. They felt that sometimes they might contact, say, a decision maker or a TD, and that maybe they didn't get uh, the same type of response as what an adult would, or sometimes not even a response at all. But they were really strong, you know, about the coral and the Oaks and the Dolan Oaks, that they're really good instruments that we have here in Ireland. And we're doing a good job in some ways, but what they want is they want to see to the decision-making table, and that came out quite clearly. They felt that they need to be, to be there and present when these decisions are being made that affect their future.
3: And hence the reason that they would like to see the voting age reduced to 16. Exactly. They feel
4: that that's a way for them to be taken seriously by uh, adults when it comes to issues that they want to bring forward. And they felt that one way of doing that is the vote at 16. And I think, you know, it's something that they've, the government have committed to in the programme for government, that they look at the issue and look at the experience in particular Scotland have had. They've lowered the voting age down to, down to 16 or sorry, 17 uh, for the referendum um, on independence. And they've huge turnout from young people. And really, I think what's really interesting about that is that because of that, they're actually looking at lowering the voting age for other other things that children and young people will be able to vote on. Because if you get young people engaged in issues early, you're more likely to have them engaged in the political system throughout their lives.
3: Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we're always talking about trying to get more young people involved in politics as they're voting from a younger age. I, I absolutely uh, agree. Would that need a change in the Constitution or would it just require legislation? So we could change it in
4: legislation for local and European elections and that okay. would be a good
3: first That would be step. a good start, yeah.
4: It would, and could you? And I mean, it'd be great to see, you know, local councillors in different areas engaging more with children and young people and having to respond to what the issues are and making decisions that, you know, are informed by children and young people in the area, which a lot of them do, but really having to respond to them as voters. And I think that would be a really interesting change to see the decisions that are made in local areas. If you wanted to change the voting age for um, other elections, you would have to have a constitutional change. But I think as a first step, you know, in the discussions around whether or not this should be lower. People should consider looking at, you know, local elections and European elections as a first step in this.
3: And if a young person has a vote, then politicians will listen to them.
4: And that's what the young people would have said to us at the launch, that that's what they felt, and that's what came through their research that they did.
3: Yeah, they've got good smarts about them, I'll give them that. All right, uh, Julie, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Julie Ahern uh, who joins us. She is the head of Legal Policy and Services with the Children's Rights Alliance and what was a really interesting study that came out and report that came out from the Alliance uh, this week. Somebody not in favour of allowing young people to vote at 16 by text says absolutely no way should the voting age be lowered down to 16. If anything, it should be raised higher than 18, says this listener. The 16 year old will have no life experience. We have many examples in the past of people who don't even know what or who they are voting for. Yeah, but those people would have had life experience and it would have been well over the age of 18. So I think it's wrong to say just because young people don't have life experience. If you look at this report, you can see how engaged the young people are, particularly around their rights and they know what their rights are and they want to be involved in decision making. So I don't know if it's fair to say that just because they've no life experience and they've only been on this planet for 16 years that we shouldn't be allowing them uh, to vote. As Judy said, it is part of the programme for government. So it's one of those ones to watch. And actually just talking of young people, there was a call in yesterday, came in after the uh, programme, and, and I was I was trying to find out some more about it yesterday evening, and I know John Paul is trying to email the company today, and it's to do with the supermarket Aldi. Now we got a call in from the Mallow area to say that did we know that young people and teenagers weren't allowed into Aldi after school, and I'm assuming it's before school as well that seemingly young people must be young people and children must be accompanied by adults. Um, now I saw on the Mallow Act of Kindness page there was a discussion last night. On on this topic. And from what I could gather from the comments that came into that Facebook page, it isn't just in Mallow. I think somebody said it's also happening in Ballincolic and somebody mentioned another Aldi store in the city. So I'm trying to find out if this is a nationwide decision by Aldi that for children to be allowed in their store they must be accompanied by an adult. And what are they defining as children? Is it anybody under the age of 18? Because certainly the Aldi store in Mallow is very close to a secondary school. And at lunchtime, you'll see a lot of young people going in there to buy their lunch and, and whatever so they'll actually be losing business if they decide to not allow teenagers in unless they're accompanied by an adult. So we're sending an email off to Aldi just to get clarification on is this a nationwide decision and if so why have they decided to do it is it a nationwide ban on you can only have children in a store if they're accompanied by an adult 0818 103 103. Our lines are open you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
2: Court today on C103.
1: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
3: From this weekend Supervalue and Centra Stores Nationwide will be selling packets of sunflower seeds with proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal. Now to get the background to what's been called the So Now Project. I'm joined by Jackie McNabb who is the Senior Executive with Kildare County Council and is co-founder of this particular project. Good morning to you Jackie.
5: Good morning and thank you very much
3: well, for having me. Well, listen, I just, I spotted this project on TV over the weekend and I just thought what a fabulous, fabulous idea. And we will talk about the So project in a moment. But I just want to get the background. You set up this project along with a young Ukrainian mother called Tetiana, who, along with her three daughters, came into your life early in March. Talk to me about how all of that came about.
5: Absolutely. And while I do have the the grace, uh, honour and privilege of working for Kildare County Council, I suppose the So Now initiative is um, something that I've done and and developed in in my own private capacity. I live in Tullow in County Carlow and travel to Kildare um, daily, but uh, this is all done with the support of the Tullow community. Um, I suppose I I had like so many people and I have seen um, much on the media about the great work people in Cork have done Indian people. So I did similar. I was packing donations in our own parish centre for many weeks. We were using the great Polish community to assist us getting an awful lot of food, nappies, clothes to the Polish border. Um, And one day I got a call from a Polish gentleman who lives in our community but happened to be in Dublin Airport. And this was prior to any structures being in place Um, very early in March, there were families coming in and uh, Titania and her three children were one of those families. They had um, found themselves in Ireland um, having left Lviv, well, about 70 kilometres from a little village called Streik, which is um, north of Lviv. And uh, they had found themselves in Ireland having never left Ukraine before. Um, Why Ireland... And um, Titania's um, best friend is a Ukrainian lecturer in the University of Manchester. And she um, called the family and said, you must go to Ireland. They have eased restrictions on the visa and it's an open place and a welcome place for you to go. And she bought the tickets for the family and the family got on a plane with two bags Going into the wilderness in in, in much respect, not knowing where they were
3: going. God, even Jackie, what what age are the girls? So
5: uh, 14, well now 15, Martha celebrated her birthday with us three weeks ago. Yana is five and Sophia is 16.
3: I'm just trying to think, you know, how desperate you as a mum that you would be, having never left your country to Pack up your three children and say, "Right, we're going." And get as much as you can into the two bags. And it's mind bog- Years of age, oh, yeah, God, the mind. And the reason why they decided to get out and get out so early.
5: Well, while, Lviv, um, was spared much destruction in the early weeks, but, um, it was one of the first places that was bombed. Um, there was a military base bombed, and there had been air raids it eased off in the West then and focused on the East. But they were caught in the very early days and feared for what might happen. Um, Titania herself, or as some people call it, Tatiana, but Tetiana has an awful lot of Russian connections con- con- and, and connections. So in Ireland, she calls herself Tanya, and in Ukraine, it's Titania. Okay. Um, the, um, so she herself was a... Supervisor in a very large print company, and her husband, a detective in the police forces. He now uh, is gone east um, to work in the military and vice. And she finds herself thousands of miles away from home. And so, like so many other Ukrainian women, um, desperate to have a purpose and sees themselves much, while they brought their children to safety, they see themselves as lucky, they're safe, they're secure. But a huge sense of obligation
3: to those they left behind. I've heard I've I've heard that been said. That there's there's almost a guilt that they are safe, and I mean, and in in Tatiana's position, like her husband is is not safe, so no. she lives with that every day.
5: Yeah, she lives with that. She also speaks. She her her parents um, are still there. Her sister is still there, and her sister. You know cries every day with worry because her her sons are over the age of sixteen and can't leave, therefore she can't leave, and her parents you know are still there. She's been married for, um to um valdemir um and they have known each other since they sat beside each other at four years of age. Oh, is,
3: childhood is, childhood sweethearts yeah and has yes. she has she much contact with her husband?
5: um she try it was easier in the uh, beginning before he he went east uh she can she tries to text um and then she'll know if it if, if he can find some space to get a, a little bit of a a fi connection to talk um but she tries to talk to her parents uh, as much as possible cuz they worry that she's in a she's in a um a country that they don't know yeah, yeah. you know
3: yeah, that is that's the other side though, even though they're in this war situation you know their beloved daughter and grandchildren are in a country that they probably know nothing about
5: yes yeah. and and uh, I had the great privilege of true interpretation um with Sophia of wishing her uh, her father a happy birthday last weekend and you know uh, in in Ukraine they 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 expressed their oh uh, The level of gratitude to not only myself for looking after his family, but to the Irish community for what they see they're trying to do for them. They are so appreciative and so grateful.
3: Again, that was reflected last weekend when our own uh, Taoiseach Micheál Martin went to Mill Street to visit the refugees that arrived there the week before. And that's the one thing he said. He said it was actually emotional to see how appreciative uh, these people are. And so they're all settling in well, Jackie. Are, are, are they in Tolo?
5: They, they are. They are. Um, the girls in school in, in fifth and third year, respectively. And Yana is in um, junior infants oh. and uh, of course, she has absolutely no English, but the second day, and you know, the second day she meets a little boy from Odessa called Mar- uh, Max, and herself and Max now are
3: best friends,
5: soul, soul buddies.
3: Oh, god, it really is, it's just, it's, it's, it's utterly heartbreaking. It, it, it really is. Okay, so tell me then about how you came, how you and Tetiana came up with the So Now project.
5: Well, I suppose myself and uh. Tatania became friends very, very quickly. And I suppose friends because I'm a mother. Friends because I couldn't see my own children suffering in this way. And friends because I couldn't imagine being in, having fled my country and everything I knew. So um, it was, a, I wanted to do as much to uh, make her comfortable as possible and this desire for her to have a purpose and want to do something. So I said about thinking, how how could she fulfill that? And One of the ways we looked at was raising money for the Red Cross Ukraine appeal and for her to have a fundamental role in doing that. She had watched people pack and she had come with me. And there was an uh, uncomfortable position in that she saw how much Irish people were doing and felt in need. I should be doing this. These are my people. I should be doing it. And so in the early days, she came and packed. And then we looked. When the agencies across seas said, look, we really can't take much more stock on the border. Please send us money. That's when we set about looking at how we could generate real money. And we started off packing in in the kitchen, packing seeds, thinking we were going to go market to market, door to door, with packs of sunflower seeds and um, get everybody to grow them. And that was another element of the vision that Ireland would become if it was... Sunflowers are everywhere. They're in everyone's garden in Ukraine. They're in everybody's school in Ukraine. And they are are all across the roads. So sunflowers are a very familiar sight, And I felt that if there were sunflowers more apparent, that Ireland would just look a little bit more like home for a little while. So that was why sunflowers, it's also the national flower of Ukraine, and has become much emblem of solidarity and peace. Um, I then had an opportunity to speak to somebody in Musgraves um, and they said they would after a little bit of deliberation and chatting and of course <laughs> Musgraves being a great Cork company
3: Brilliant, yeah, um,
5: yeah They said, look we love your sentiment we love the Ukraine um, ambition to help themselves and we, we'd like to help them um, so they came on board to distribute across Central and Super Value and um, then being full time employee and work and uh, we, this this little idea had no staff. Where were we going to pack a hundred thousand? And so we created a packathon and we packed a hundred thousand packs of sunflower
3: seeds. <sighs> am, am I told it, about two hundred and fifty people turned up to pack? Two hundred and fifty people from <laughs> all over the country.
5: That's we not, put it out on Facebook. Yeah, and we had people from Cork, Kerry. Kilkenny, Carlo Kildare, uh, up as far as Donegal came to, and Dublin to pack. But they packed with people, over 70 Ukrainians. They packed with people from Maripol. They packed with people from Odessa. They packed with people from Lviv. They packed with people from um, Kiev. They, they, it was incredible. And the, 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 these people were strangers. And over a nine-hour period, I have companies asking me how we did it because it was so proficient. But it was done. So every pack that you see on the counter has been packed by Ukrainian refugees and their Irish friends.
3: That's brilliant. That is, it's It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing how a little seed of an idea, pardon the pun, could grow into something, uh, something as big as it has now become. And the the so now, you, you have a concept that you want people to as soon as they get their seeds to have them sown by a specific date?
5: Well, there, there's a very special day um, a day of cultural dress on the 19th of May for all Ukrainians. It's world it's a world day. You'll see an awful lot of Ukrainians uh, wearing embroidery top which is their culture. Um, and many of these tops are, are embroidered by grandmothers or grand uh, and, and mothers and handed down. In fact, uh, it, 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 with limited capacity in a bag I saw that top the first day I met Tatiana, she brought it with her her mother had embroidered that
3: Yeah, They're hand in hand they're, they're such a talented we know how musical the Ukrainians are but their craft work is incredible
5: Absolutely, absolutely but I, we will be encouraging people to sew right through the month of May and by August and September, the country be my all ambition
3: with sunflowers.
5: I uh, wash it. With uh, which would be but, great. But I would hope that people would take a picture with their family and and post it and share it. Take a picture with your workmates. You know, take an hour out of work, do it over lunchtime. Plant a few seeds around your premises, with your with your GEA club or your rugby club or your tennis club, and and let every tidy town you know, envisage a little space on the roadways into the town or village that says, this is a safe place for you to be. You're amongst friends, and this is just a little token of what we feel for you and to say we stand by you. The messaging is simple. It's an easy thing to do. And I hear so many people, so many people saying, what I'm seeing on the television is devastating. I wish I could do more. You don't need to do more. Just go buy the seeds and and plant them and and give your five euros to the Red Cross so they can get support and help to support these people. You know, the the communities in Ukraine, it will take years to rebuild them. But this is a start Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's done by Ukrainians that want to send help back home.
3: Well said. Well, well said. And and as anybody who's ever grown sunflowers will know, that the easiest—you don't have to be green fingered. They literally are the easiest no. easiest plants uh, to grow. Um. So well, well done to you and uh, Tetiana. Can I, just, Jackie? Has this whole thing changed you as a person? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah.
5: Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Are you Are you
3: better? Are you a better person? Because of your interactions with this little family and the other Ukrainians, um, I
5: I am um I suppose I wouldn't have spoken. I've spoken a lot about this. I was in a very difficult situation place myself last October, um, for various reasons. I was in a very dark place, and I would have anticipated life would never be the same again. I probably thought I'd never be the same again, and. The meeting of this family and the work we do has given not only Tatiana a purpose, but I a purpose for the greater good. And it's such a small thing. It really is. But it, this family have enriched myself, my husband, Paul, my my son and daughter, Chloe and Gary, it, it enriched our lives. Uh, they, they are so strong. They are so strong. Um, I feel many of us would have stayed under the duvet. And here is a young lady, a thirty-nine year old with three children, so far away from home, without any family, saying, I need to do more. I want to do more.
3: And you've reached out, it's that it's the hand it's the, the kindness of strangers and it's 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 gone into what I think is going to be an enriched experience for you and your family for the rest of your lives and you're going to have friends for life. Oh.
5: I, I couldn't imagine life without them. Ah,
0: well I done. did
5: I did tell her dad when he thanked us for looking after his girls. I said, I promise I'll bring your girls home.
3: That's an incredible story, Jackie. It really is an incredible story. We wish you luck with the So Now project. We might catch up with you again uh, in May as we get close to that date of the 19th, if you wouldn't mind having another chat with us. Cause I do oh, think, I'd
5: be absolutely yeah. privileged and I cannot thank... Uh, your radio station for for highlighting this, um, and the greatest honour you do now is uh, plant and plant and plant in cork uh, and show your colours. Rise up and show your colours for Ukraine.
3: Well done, well said. Listen, pleasure, pleasure chatting to you, Jackie. Look after yourself. Thank you. Uh, and God Thank bless. You. Bye bye. That is uh, Jackie McNabb who along with Tetiana has set up the Sew so Now project. So if you're doing shopping, it's from actually tomorrow, I think the 29th, uh, Super Value stores and Centris stores right around the country will have those little packets of seeds on sale and they're very, very identifiable. You'll, you'll see them. They'll be on the counters of Super Value and Centris right around the country. It's five euro is what you are asked to give to buy the seeds. And then the concept is you take them home and you plant them. And I think if you've got children involved, get the children to plant them as well because they love the idea of watching the sunflowers grow but I like Jackie's concept as as well of maybe tidy towns groups and residents associations getting involved and let's see if we can plant as many of these sunflower seeds which are stunning flowers then when they're growing when they're grown and by September they'll brighten up all of our worlds not just the worlds of the Ukrainians living amongst us so thanks to Jackie McNabb for that 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to oh eight six two.
2: 103 103. Cork
1: Today on C103. With Jean Cusack Insurances, Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who
3: to talk to. CMIG.ie.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
3: and actually just to following my chat with Jackie McNabb about that so now and asking all of us to buy the little sunflower seeds and then to plant them uh, for the uh, with the proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross and their Ukrainian appeal I've just had a WhatsApp in from somebody I don't have a name on this and I've John Paul we'll see if we can do a follow up on this but it's from somebody asking me to mention mums to mums.ie and that's mums the number two and then mums.ie the sister says I'm the Cork coordinator of this group and we're matching donations from Irish mums with needs requests of Ukrainian mums and if there is any mum out there that has a donation to offer the idea is that you register on the website and then if a Ukrainian mum needs an item they can request it through the website I think that's, that sounds like a terrific idea. I'm assuming what happens is if you have a young Ukrainian mother who's arrived, say, with a two-year-old little boy who has suddenly got a growth spurt, running out of clothes, needs to find clothes for a two-year-old little boy, they can put in their request on this website and then there can be a cork mum Maybe just down the road from this Ukrainian mother who has uh, a little fella that's now three and all the two-year-old clothes and we know how quickly they grow out of clothes. We'll be able to hook them up with each other. I think that's fabulous. mums to mumsie We'll see if we can find out more and uh, maybe do a follow-up interview with them. It would be nice uh, to give them a bit of publicity. Now, we spoke in the last hour about children's rights and we spoke in particular about the voting age that children themselves in this survey and this report that came out from the Children's Rights Alliance. Children themselves are saying, young people themselves are saying that they would like to see the voting age come down from 18 down to 16. And it also seemingly is part of the programme for government to look at lowering the voting age. Dennis says, simple solution to the voting age. This is Dennis's suggestion. Disenfranchise everyone. So nobody has a vote. Anyone then who wants to vote, says Dennis, you would need to pass a test first to prove that you understand how voting in this country, uh, how you do it and how it actually works. Dennis says he is sick every time there's an election. People texting into this programme and then I'm trying to explain the ballot paper and I'm trying to explain proportional representation to them says uh, Dennis. Uh, Now firstly Dennis we live in a democracy. I wouldn't like to disenfranchise uh, anyone. You'll always get people who'll get a little bit confused coming up to an election. As for proportional representation every time we have a general election I have to do a little bit of uh, research and study just to remind myself again how proportional representation works. And the only reason I always mention it there on voting time is that it is and because I spend so much time at the count centres after the general election and I see how proportionate representation works. Not everybody does that. But I, I see how important it is that you vote when it gets transferred and God knows we've seen many people get elected in this country because of transferred votes. It's not first past the post as it is in other countries so it isn't necessarily the most first preference votes that you get. That's why proportional that's that's representation is important and why we put second, third, fourth, fifth you can go right the way down along the line. But even having said all of that Dennis, even with all of the explanations that I do, we still have people will say that they'll go in and they want to vote for one person or only, but that's a democracy we allow people to do that as well but I certainly would be against disenfranchising anyone and saying nobody is allowed to vote unless they can pass a a test and I'm wondering Dennis how you would feel about other countries where it's compulsory to vote I mean we've had some particularly some referendums where we've had very very low turnouts we've seen low turnouts at local elections general elections European elections other countries have gotten around that by making it compulsory and if you don't vote then you are fined unless you have a genuine reason for not voting on the day. I'd be interested Dennis to see how you'd feel if we went down that route uh, where everybody 's because I always the one thing I always say on the day of an election and the day before an election I always encourage people to vote because and even though people get disillusioned with politics and you'll hear people say Nasha, they're all the same I won't be bothered voting you should be bothered voting the only Way you'll make change is by voting, and it annoys me when I hear of people who decide not to vote just because they get disillusioned with uh, politics. But thank you for your text Dennister 0862 103, 103 And then John in White's Cross was also listening with interest to this idea of lowering the voting age from 18 down to 16. And he said if we go down that route of lowering the voting age to 16, then will that mean that they'll bring the legal age of responsibility down to 16? Will it mean that 16-year-olds will be allowed to drink, etc.? Do we want a situation where youngsters then would be charged for murder at the age of 16. He reckons there would be a lot of further consequences by lowering the voting age. No, I I disagree with you on on that. It's completely different. Other countries have lowered their voting age and it doesn't mean just because somebody's allowed to vote that they're allowed to drink. That certainly would not at all be the case. And as for would... If we lowered the voting age, would it mean that people would be, younger people could be charged with murder? Don't know if you know, uh, John, but in Ireland, the age of criminal responsibility is actually 12, it's not 18. It means that children up to the age of 12 can't be charged with an offence, but once they hit the age of 12, they can be charged with an offence. And the only exception is children aged 10 or 11 they can be charged with murder, manslaughter, rape or aggravated sexual assault. So they can already from the age of 10 they can be charged with murder and manslaughter in this country. So changing the voting age wouldn't in any way would, wouldn't have anything to wouldn't in any way change the justice system and it certainly wouldn't I couldn't in any way see it changing that we're going to be allowing 16 year olds uh, to drink. Thank you for your call to 0818 103 103. and some of your Your WhatsApp's in. Jim says, "Uh, Patricia, the traffic management in Cork City is a disgrace. Jim says, it took us an hour last night from 10 to 11 to get from the bottom of the hill of Kent Street up to Pork Creef. And when we got there there was at least six members of vanguard the Shear Corner standing around. There was absolutely nothing going on. So I have no idea as to what the hold up was all about. The Jack Lynch tunnel was closed and the edge shearing concert isn't happening until tonight. I don't know why where the traffic was backed up to. Does the motorist count for nothing? Cheers, says Jim. And I don't know. Does anybody understand? Does anybody know what was going on with the traffic management? Between ten and eleven o'clock last night, I mean they usually traffic at that hour of the night there's little or nothing on the road now if it had been tonight with the concert or tomorrow night with the concert I would have said ah well Jim there's a big concert going on there so I've no explanation if anybody can can work out why it took Jim uh, an hour last night to get from the bottom of the hill by Kent Street up to uh, Porky Cueve. We just speak about the Jack Lynch Tunnel was uh, closed. It was closed again this morning. Did you see that? It was another. And after we only talking about it yesterday on the programme, the Jack Lynch Tunnel was closed due to an overhead vehicle. Um, Again, set off the alarms. Now, I think the alarm was uh, triggered because I saw a photograph of this particular Vehicle, And it was, if I have the picture here, it is John Paul gave it to me before it came on air today. It was a tractor that is pulling a a trailer and on the trailer is a truck and it's one of those, it's a vehicle recovery truck. So you've got a tractor with a trailer. On the trailer is a truck and trailer. On the truck and trailer is another truck and trailer. (laughs) <laughs> and in top of that trailer is another truck. So it's it's three. I th- I thought it was a car carrier, but now I'm looking at it, it's not. So it's three trucks on top of a trailer being pulled by a. Tractor. So obviously that was going to set off the sensors if it didn't hit, the, if it didn't actually get stuck. I don't know if it did or not. But anyway, that was the reason for the closure of the Jack Lynch tunnel this morning. And I saw a lot of motorists really, really annoyed. And as I say, we only spoke about it yesterday with uh, Peter Horgan. The labour rep for the for the area, and he's was saying he's just sick to the teeth because he lives in that area. He's sick to the teeth of either himself getting stuck in traffic or seeing people stuck in uh, traffic. I mentioned Aldi, and that we had some calls in yesterday from people saying that were we aware that teenagers and children weren't allowed in Aldi unless they were accompanied by a parent. And could we find out what's going on? We have emailed Aldi, and we're waiting on a reply uh, f- uh, from them. But somebody who has an understanding of why Aldi would decide to do this is message us to say I can understand Aldi's concern regarding students at lunchtime. They can gather in large groups, chatting on their phone. They can be very loud. Sometimes it can be difficult to move if you're trying to do your shopping, particularly with a shopping trolley. I am a senior, and these young people don't seem to understand. Several times I've been forced to leave my local Aldi store without my shopping. Just simply couldn't deal with it. A large volume of young people all congregating at the same time actually made me nervous and that does happen if, they, if any of the stores are near a secondary school and they all head out at the same time so it can make some older people nervous and I don't know as I say I don't know until we hear from Aldi exactly what is the reason and why they've decided to bring in and I'm assuming signs have gone up saying that young people and children must be accompanied by an adult and we will wi- we will await to hear from Aldi as to their reasons uh, behind it. And then Dermot in Kilty was on to say, Patricia in light of the very serious bullying allegations outlined in today's Southern Star by both uh, councillors Karen Coakley and former councillor Katie Murphy, I'm hoping that senior Tim Lombard as the senior elected representative for the West Cork area comes on to your show to explain these bullying allegations. It's absolutely deplorable what has happened, says Dermot, as a father and as a husband. If this was to happen to my wife or daughter I would be appalled. As a Fina Gale voter, I'm ashamed says uh, Dermot. Evil misogynistic behaviour can and does destroy the young people's lives. Uh, will Senator Tim Lumbert come on your programme to discuss same? Well actually I can tell you Dermot and Clan, uh, Senator T- Tim Lumbert is coming on to discuss same. We weren't able to get to it today but Tim is going to join us tomorrow to talk about what Karen Coakley has been alleged has happened to her, and now it 's been backed up by katie Murphy and The reason why we didn 't have Tim on today was we were hoping we'd we had been on to Karen since this story broke. It was at the AGM in Dumanway on Monday, so from Tuesday morning we've been trying to get Karen to join us on the program because i'd like to hear from her. What these, you know, what form this bullying and intim- intimidation took, and also, you know, her how she thinks it's affected the party locally, and also her plans for for the future. But unfortunately, from work commitment reasons, she wasn't able to join us. And then John Paul has spoken to her, and we've even offered her a pre-record, but unfortunately, she's declined our invitation. She's not ready to talk about it. Uh, yet But in fairness to Tim Lombard, he contacted us and said he would be more than willing to discuss it. So he's going to be joining us tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, dear Matt, if you're tuned our way tomorrow you'll be able to get to hear Tim's views on it. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103
2: 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster
1: Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie.
3: Shuttering carpenters and steel fixers. So, I wanted for Cork City. Now, it's carpenter for timber floors, stud partitions, slabbing, etc. Also required. CVs to jobs at HamiltonFrench.com. Experienced spa therapists are required for the Maryborough House Hotel. CVs, please, to mduncliffe at maryborough.ie. Ward Personnel have vacancies for construction general operatives. You can call them on 021-233-9120. And a delivery driver is wanted for the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. Kieran is your contact at 22 582 You'll find us more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Court today on C103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale.
3: Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group.
1: for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: You are a bingo fan. I've just been told that a bingo is on in the GAA in Bandon tonight And it is on at uh, eight, at nine o'clock. Okay, that's been good tonight at uh, nine Um o'clock. and I think we're having some problems with our phones, are we? Are we? We, you know, We're We, getting that uh, sorted out. Uh, there was a little bit of problems trying to get through on the phones. They were all freezing up. Okay, let me let you, uh, is that sorted now? It is. Okay, thank you John paul Now, when the pandemic first hit, the majority of respite facilities were closed in order to prevent the spread of infection. But sadly, over two years later many services have not returned to pre-pandemic levels. Cork East Sinn Féin Dole Deputy Pat Buckley raised the issue of of lack of respite services in his own area in the dole yesterday. And he joins me to share with us how he got on. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia, good well, morning to your uh, listeners. And you're, you're very welcome. Now, I know you were specifically asking about the East Cork area, but th- am I right in saying that this is a nationwide problem with lack of respite services?
6: Yes, yes. Unfortunately, since COVID has been, uh, I suppose, a very handy excuse for this um, it seems to be systemic and country-wise that a lot of the respite beds that were available pre, I suppose, uh, COVID um, have not come back into, I suppose, service again. And we all know with the COVID pandemic, the, you know, the anxiety levels in people and mental health issues. But my bugbear, I suppose, the reason for actually asking it was specifically related to doing a care centre. And, you know, that's an ongoing issue.
3: Yeah, the mental health facility that they're, that they're closing.
6: Yes. and Because and 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 that the,
3: offers respite as well.
6: It does. And, and, yeah. and in the last week or so, I've been doing a, a bit of research. And, I mean, we've discussed this before about the HSE saying that, you know, there's only maybe nine residents there now. And when those nine residents are gone, that the service won't be needed. Yes, even from the two short-term respite beds alone, that were there, they were dealing with about 208 patients a year. They had 26 on the waiting list just before COVID came in. And I had a person on to me, what, this today, Excuse me, today Thursday. Thursday so yeah. It was Tuesday. Uh, a very brave person rang me to say that they went to the on a care Centre last Saturday night looking for help. Uh, the centre was open, but unfortunately they couldn't assist the person. That person slept in the car on Sunday morning until they were woke by uh, a guard at about ten past seven in the morning. I've had parents of family members ringing and crying when they can get a member into respite, and yet we're being told it's been closed. Uh, also, so this,
3: yeah, so, and this isn't just, uh, I know you're oh no, very no. passionate about Onokara, yeah. this is, this this lack of... Services. It's a it's across both short term and long term respite. Yeah, isn't I mean, it? You,
6: you have four respite beds in Fomoy. You have six respite. Well, you don't have six. You have six respite beds in Cove, but doesn't. It's not open. It's not in operation because they don't have staff. So you can imagine when it's like around the rest of Cork, not only around the rest of the country, and, and I people know, are most yeah, vulnerable. And
3: it's interesting when you say that it's it's a staffing issue. It's the one. I'm slow to say the word excuse, but it's, it is an excuse that is constantly used by service providers when parents go or family members go to try to get a bit of respite for themselves and for, for their loved one. If they're constantly being told, "Oh, well, the beds are there. It isn't. It isn't a funding issue. But sorry, we can't get staff. There is an issue with recruitment of staff. I mean, are, are we dealing with that issue?"
6: I don't think so, Patricia. Uh, I, I Like, even for a nurse, to fill a position roughly from start to finish, uh, we'd say a nursing position, it could take, the process takes roughly around 22 weeks, which is ridiculous. Uh, on top of that, the doesn't seem to be an issue when it comes to recruiting agency staff, which is very strange because normally the agency staff are actually... The price per hour on an agency staff compared to one that's directly employed is more expensive and yet you can get agency staff. I suppose the other side of it is the system is so uh, overwhelmed at the moment that the people that are actually working within the system are overstretched, they're stressed off their heads, it's not an ideal place to work and... Unfortunately, a recent conversation I had with a lady who was finishing her last year of nursing. There's actually five of them sharing a room and their plan is once they're qualified, they're going to Dubai.
3: Yeah, and you can understand uh, why if they're working in such a stressful environment. But are you suspicious that some service providers are using the excuse of staffing not to open respite beds?
6: I, I'm suspicious of the whole system, Patricia. To be honest with you, because unfortunately, what I've seen in even my short few years as a TD is everything seems to be moving away from a community-led, uh, I suppose, a community-led model to a privatised model. And you know what happens? But when anything goes into privatisation, it's not—it's for profit. It's not for the benefit of people. And that's my big biggest worry here. I mean, we've pumped millions and millions, billions into health service and every day we look up uh, this isn't working or there's an excuse which we'll say even CAMS uh, somebody has a disability CAMS can't look at them they have to go on another waiting list for an assessment we know this crack with the assessment the needs that we brought up a couple of weeks ago so everything seems to be an excuse after excuse. Money seems to be just being pumped into it. We don't know where yeah, it is. And
3: I'm I'm getting tired, Pat. Of every time there's some kind of a crisis, more money is put into the HSE or put into whatever service. We just seem to constantly throw money at it, and we don't seem to get anywhere for the money we're we're putting in. I mean, per head of population, we spend a lot of money every year on health, and yet we've got these staggering waiting lists, and we've we have families uh, caring for relatives with a disability who, Pat, are really struggling to cope at the moment.
6: Oh, look, Patricia, I talk to them daily. I have family members crying, absolutely crying down the phone. They have nowhere to go. You can you can imagine that person that went to that centre last Saturday and slept in the car. That'll tell us. And taught me straight out. They, went to, they, they were physically sick and got sick into a bag and tied that bag and put it into the boot of the car and went back into the car to sleep. And you have other centres, i.e. the HSE, saying, um, you know, that the demand isn't there. We have an ageing population that's well flagged. You can see the issues with them trying to push out the pension age. And yet, and you're right, every time we come up with this, we have an issue with recruitment and retention. We also have another issue. Are we training enough people? Are we giving them enough incentive to stay? And I think we had this conversation a uh, first year with a fully qualified nurse that's working in Cork uh, on the same wages as somebody working here in Dublin, uh, they find it nearly impossible to live up here because the standard of living is is extremely expensive. Well, I
3: was only... So I, I, was thinking, yeah, I, was only I don't know how anybody lives in Dublin. I was only looking at the rents. Nearly 2000 a month to rent. Oh,
6: yeah, absolutely.
3: What kind, of a wage what kind of a wage packet do you need for that? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely It's, it's impossible. crazy. You, OK, you raised your concerns... Was it the Minister for Health? Uh, It was the Minister for Disabilities. Minister for Disabilities. What response did you
6: get? Uh, Number one, she apologised for the fact that she was more intent on talking about respite beds overall, where I was on about specific beds in specific areas. So, I mean, basically what she said was, no, she did. It's amazing, sometimes you'll get information. Uh, But basically what i was saying here is, look, we have it. I'm trying my best, but unfortunately... I suppose the best way to describe this is like somebody comes into your office and they're all excited they've been approved for a four-bedroom house through the council and you're saying congratulations, but you're not getting it. And they're saying, well, I'm approved for it. I said, yes, you were approved for it and you are entitled to it, but they haven't built it yet. It seems to be the same excuse here with any type of services. These are vital services and I mean. I mean, she was coming from the fact of the disability services and respite bid for people with disabilities. I mean, talking about high priority, and I think people don't realise, even the short-term respite, when a person goes into short-term respite, the first thing they'll do inside in that is take the person's bloods. So you're getting your medical check. If that person needs, uh, we'll say that toenails clipped, therapy services brought in, dental services, it's all those services that come with these respite beds. Is yeah, vital and, but on top of and, that Patricia my biggest a, fear.
3: More than anything the biggest thing with respite it gives the carer a yeah. bit of a break.
6: Yeah but on top of that Patricia you can see what's happening here we're moving away from the community healthcare system and pushing and forcing people into private healthcare. That's the problem going into private nursing homes. I've nothing against them but the thing is we all pay taxes here to have a proper health system and yet When somebody's in deep, deep trouble and needs to access the service, they're saying, sorry, unless you have cash in your pocket, you're not going to get the service because we don't have anybody working here or we're going closing this because we don't think it's a model that we can keep going with. So you're going to move over to the private model. And that's where the biggest crux is here. I know for a fact there's something very similar happening, I think, in Tipperary with another hospital. So it seems to be systemic that the HSC... I was trying to move away from providing community health care and trying to force people into private health care. And when I said private healthcare, you have people in even in the who were asked to go on the fair deal scheme. And then could be moved out, which is wrong.
3: And and what actually when when you, you say yesterday you were, it was Ann Anne Rabbit, the Minister for Disabilities, what what did she make of that story that broke earlier in the week that she was being blocked? From meeting with service providers by the HSE. Now I know, I know there's been an intervention since, and she's and she's now been allowed. That that seems such a bizarre story.
6: It's not a bit bizarre, Patricia. To be honest with you, because we meet barriers every day. Every day we meet barriers. I have I have stuff here in front of me. I can give it to you. The Minister for Local Government has no remit over the local government. You have to go under Freedom of Information. Uh, Minister for Justice has no remit over how many guards are going leaving leave the guard station. I have to go into a different section. Everything is barrier after barrier. Now, if it was I, in my former position as spokesperson on mental health, if I was a Minister for Mental Health and I called in the managers of the HSE and they refused, well, heads would have to roll because we are supposed to be the bosses here. We are the bank that, you know, this is where the buck stops. If they're not accountable, they're not responsible. And if they're not responsible, they can't be held to account, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and,
3: and the only way, the, the, only, to to the only way as as Minister for Disabilities that, that, you know, that she herself personally can get involved with any change is to hear on the ground updates from staff. You know, what are their concerns? What needs to be done? I mean, I know she had that meeting in Cork where she met with parents and I thought that was brilliant hear it from the, you know, the parents but Absolutely. then you know, the next stage is well then let's call the staff in and then to hear that they, the hierarchy of the HSE tried to block it it's just Oh know, no
6: I, they don't try Patricia I can tell you straight out they blocked I had, it, yeah. I had a, a child psychologist in from CAMS a number of years ago in the mental health committee and the first question I asked that gentleman right and this is fact because it's on the record I asked him I said were you threatened by senior management before you came up here today. And he taught me straight out in the committee. Yes, I was. That's the problem. Because 99% of the staff that work within this system have so much empathy, you know, and understanding, and understand the patients that they are looking afterwards. And the system works brilliant. Okay, but here, the problem is, is, it's your management and high-end high, high management.
3: Okay, I here's not the, a the ca- cookie to crumble. Here's a carer... Uh, Totally summing it up, saying totally agree with your guest this morning, our guest, uh, Sinn Féin, Cork Eastall Deputy uh, Pat Buckley. Totally agree with Pat Buckley. First it was COVID and now the excuse that's been used is staffing. If the staff are stressed, what about the parents? Does their health and their st- and their stress come into it? We're totally worn out from all of this and all of the excuses that they are giving us Anne Rabbit as the Junior Minister for Disabilities needs to get off her backside and she needs to help us and I think that sums up how a lot of parents c- caring for a child with disability are feeling at the moment. Alright. Okay and uh, we go forward and, and no sign of uh, of, re- of even getting respite facil- respite services back to where they were.
6: I can't see it happening. Pre-Covid. Because. I mean and yeah. even
3: pre-Covid we had people no, no. complaining.
6: no. We, remember we were just talking there, like, I mean, one in the minister's reply, and a kind of, uh, you know, it gives up a red flag, what we were talking about, moving away from the public system. It says in this, it says, the plan for a phased resumption of services and the development of alternative models of service delivery. That's the line. Alternative ser- models of service delivery. They're not telling us what the alternative, but I can guarantee you that the alternative is here, that your local... Um, Respite beds, wherever it is in Femay or McCroom or Cantuck or Middleton or Yall, or Cove, wherever it is, that I can see that there's going to be a massive regression in this. And, the, and you're right, the excuse will be we can't get staff, so we have to close it. And where do all those people go then when they need that service? What happens to the community? What well, happens to what they, they're going, they're actually going against their own rules, even in Sláinte Care.
3: Okay, all right. Listen, listen, we're we're unfortunately, much as we'd like to, we're not going to be able to sort it here, Pat. But listen, in the meantime, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for raising the issue yesterday in the Dáil, uh, certainly on behalf of uh, Carers and the people who desperately need those respite services. Um, Thanks for joining us, and we'll speak again. Thanks very much, Patricia. Uh, Good morning, Chair. That is uh, Cork East Sinn Féin Dáil Deputy Pat uh, Buckley, oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to oh eight six two. 103 103. Court today
2: on C 103.
1: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
8: In
3: time for this week's uh, Guard the File, joining me, Sergeant Conor McCarthy, who's based at Bandon. Guard the station. Good morning to you, Conor. Good
8: morning, Patricia. And
3: before we go into incidents, just a couple of events that you just wanted to acknowledge. Firstly, centenary celebrations were held in Kinsale last Sunday.
8: That's correct, uh, Patricia. We had the centenary celebrations in Kinsale last Sunday. Uh, again, we'd like to thank uh, the community of Kinsale, the RNLI, HSC, the Lions Club, the local community groups, fire service and all stakeholders who assisted and helped to ensure the remembrance event was a success. We also would like to thank the Defence Forces who partook in the march with Angarda Shea along with the retired members. Avengarde this year, It was a huge success, and we were delighted with the uh, support we got from the community in relation to this event on the day. Well done!
3: And wasn't it National
8: Community Engagement Day? Wasn't that yesterday? Yes, uh, yesterday there was a National Community Engagement Day. Um, I suppose we had stands at 15 locations across the West Cork division, and there was 300 um, stands across nationally in conjunction with the, the IFA and the fire service, who both uh, were of great assistance to us in fulfilling these uh, stands and ensuring information was uh, got out to the public in general and we'd again like to thank all the stakeholders who are members of the community forum who supported us in this uh, we hope that the information was of benefit to the community in general and as always we're available if anyone needs any assistance with any aspects of uh, inf- of the information that they require further assistance we're always available the stations are open here 24-7
3: Ok and your next big event is happening tomorrow tell me about this it's Go Purple Day
8: Yes, it's a Go Purple Day. It's uh, in conjunction with Safe Ireland. Uh, it's an initiative to raise awareness of the local uh, to, of the local domestic abuse services and supports available to those affected in West Cork, specifically in our area. Uh, gardie will be wearing purple ribbons on Friday, the 29th of April, to raise awareness of domestic abuse services. You can show your support if you wish by wearing something purple, also and um, we have uh i suppose we sent out all the, the information to our local uh, social media um uh, colleagues, uh, to ensure that the information is uh, got out to the public and ensure that they they are aware of the services and supports that are available um, through the many different organisations that uh, that are there. And as always, we're we're our stations are open 24/7, and we can be contacted on the, by phone or in person if anyone needs help or needs uh, any assistance. We're always available 24/7.
0: And there's
3: a huge amount of services, and I know you've got posters that are displayed in all the guard stations listing you know the contact numbers. People like safe. Ireland Women's Aid Men's Aid uh, the West Cork Women Against Violence Group uh, IANA in North Cork etc so there's loads of organisations and that's what we say to people you know don't suffer in silence reach out help is available
8: that's it, the first step is always the hardest one and, and look, uh, these many great services are available in our locality and I suppose it's just to make people aware that they are there and like ourselves we're there to help, are there to help people and provide them with information which is the first, is the start of any uh, anyone's steps to dealing with these uh, these issues that they may have at home or in their in their life. Um, we're, we're always there to help and as I said the first step is the hardest one to take.
3: Okay well done, so let's go Purple Day tomorrow, Friday the 29th of... Of April. Now some incidents that you're looking for listeners help with and um, we start with theft of home heating oil that unfortunately is I, it's getting more common.
8: Yes, it's starting to become more prevalent again. Uh, in consi- the Guardian and Kinsale are investigating a theft of home heating oil which occurred between the 19th and the 22nd of April in the old head area. The tank was in the garden area of the property and there was uh, nobody at the time was at home. But we hope that uh, if anyone can be public assistance or is sought in this, if they saw something or someone which looked out of place, they can contact Guardian, Kinsale, Garda Station, on 021 477 9250 who are investigating the matter. I suppose important homeowners should try to keep an eye on their tanks and monitor their usage of the oil as it may know, it may not be discovered when um, when it occurs. There's a number of measures people could take uh, just in relation to fitting locks or CCTV um, and ensuring that the tanks, if they are in uh, on the property, to make sure they're visible from the habitual area at the home. Um, a lot of information is available on the, the Garda website www.gardia.ie
3: And an aluminium double ladder was taken.
8: That's right, that's right. Uh, not, the most, uh, the, not the smallest item to, to take so we're hoping that get, this uh, ladder was taken from uh, outside a house in the bailed area of Clannacilty. Uh, unfortunately the item wasn't secured at home at the time but Gardi investigating it in, in Clannacilty and would appreciate any information people may have in relation to this theft uh, I suppose again this time of year people are getting out and doing work on their house and their gardens and it's important that all the equipment they use are, are securely locked away afterwards um, in this instance it's, a, it's a, double, a double an aluminium double ladder so we are hoping that someone may have noticed this and may have uh, seen someone acting suspiciously or a car or a van that was out of place or may, may may have seen the ladder on top of a van or something to that effect and we would greatly appreciate any information
3: people okay. may have and all that equipment can be quite expensive as well. You really do need to keep your sheds under lock and uh, key. Now going back to the 26th of April. So just earlier this uh, week uh, this kind of ties in with the home heating oil but this time it was diesel was taken.
8: That's right. Um, a, non- a number of workmen uh, attended a site in the McCroom area, and when uh, having left there the previous evening, and on returning, uh, the, the tanks of their machinery had been uh, emptied of diesel. Uh, look again. I suppose it's a, it's kind of. Keeping it monitoring what you have uh, again it's important to secure the machinery and sites prior to leaving and not leave items easily accessible to these the importance of purchasing the correct locks for tanks has never been more prevalent uh, than today and if anyone noticed a vehicle or a person in the area that did not know or anything suspicious they can contact Gardaí in McCroom on 026 who are investigating the theft.
3: Unfortunately fraud people are still falling victim to to fraudulent scams?
8: Absolutely. It, it's something we get on a daily basis. Unfortunately, a report that Sometimes small, but sometimes large amounts of money. Unfortunately, in the past week, um, we, we we have a, a person who has become victim of this uh, fraud scam over the phone, uh, whereby a large, a very large amount of money was taken um, taken from him. I suppose there's a number of steps we could we'd ask people to familiarise themselves. Firstly, with fraudsmart.ie. It's a it's a website that has been uh, supported by the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland, and in conjunction with ourselves. And this this is very, gives very advice in relation to dealing with uh, whether it be contact over the phone or online that people just don't give out their information freely um, reports have again been received a person being contacted by a person pertaining to be a person in need looking for monies to be sent to their account and the caller then requests the person's account details, uh, no bank or company will look for information over the phone or bank details or uh, account information and the important thing to remember is if you get a phone call like that You can end the phone call yourself, speak to your family and get advice before you give over any information. And I do emphasise, I suppose, for elderly people who may be victim to this uh, phone fraud, may be persuaded to hand over money, that's important that their younger relatives make them aware of the dangers of, the, of giving out such information over the
3: phone. Yeah, And then if you are scammed, people get very embarrassed about it, don't be embarrassed about it, you do need to report it.
8: That's a, that's an excellent point Patricia, yeah, yeah we we we, are, we're, we don't no one's here to judge, we're only here to help and the sooner we're made aware of these instances the better we can deal with them and take action and hopefully prevent transactions going through, but it's important to relay the information to us as quickly as possible.
3: Okay, we've, we're heading into a bank holiday weekend, the weather is lovely at the moment, it's expected to be nice across the weekend so we will have lots of people out and about we've got once again now remember to be aware of not leaving anything behind in a parked car if you're visiting a park or the beach
8: that's right, Patricia. Um, again, cars leaving valuables in cars—it's it's a, it's, a, it's an easy target, and unfortunately, there's many individuals around who take, would take would ease, take break a window of a car and wouldn't think twice about it. So it's not long as it causing you the loss of the property that you've left in the car, but also the inconvenience of repairing your car. Um, I I would say ensure that there's no items left visible. That cars are parked in a public area where you people have this passing public regularly who will uh, be able to see if there's any uh, um, people acting suspiciously and ensure that uh, there's nothing taken. So it's important just to be cognizant of that when you're out and about make sure not to leave anything in the cars that's, that's the first part. and secure your car uh, unfortunately many instances where cars aren't secured and uh, it's easy access for these opportunist tests.
3: Okay, and finally and briefly burglary prevention advice as we head into the summer.
8: That's right Patricia um burglary advice again uh we we have a few tips I suppose I, I won't say too long it's going out when you're leaving your home just make sure to secure all doors and windows light up your home use timer switches when out store keys safely and away from windows and letterboxes, record details of valuables and don't keep large cash amounts at home and use an alarm where possible. Um, th- these are a few of the steps. There's many more of them there again on guarded.ie if you, anyone wants to look them up. If you're going on holidays or going away, loads of advice there and we and let your local Garda station know if your house is going to be vacant at any time during uh, for a prolonged period of time and we can take it into account on our daily patrols. Yeah, I
3: think the, the light on a timer is and they're, they're not that expensive to buy those timer lights but it's to make the house look as lived in as possible while you are
7: away.
8: That's right. Uh, like the th- most of these uh, safety uh, safety equipment are inexpensive and easily installed, such as a, a night uh, the the timer switch and also a night motion sensor light. And um, this gives light to the ba- to your home, but it do- is also you're not leaving a light on all the time, so yeah. it can be suspicious. So yeah. they're a good investment as yeah. well.
3: Yeah, and, and a good neighbor. You can't beat a good neighbor. Let your neighbor know or know when you're away and keep a lookout for each other's properties. Uh,
8: that's it, Patricia. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your neighbors. It's a Important to keep in touch and, and stay in contact, especially especially as always. I'd emphasise speaking and keeping in touch with elderly neighbours who who may need help and and uh, they're, but they're regularly at home as well, so they will notice things that are um, uh, someone is in the area who shouldn't be there or something suspicious. They will be they will have value loads of information to be able to pass on to ourselves or to uh, other neighbours that uh, may be relevant.
3: Yeah, and if you spot anything suspicious, suspicious camera on your phone is a great way to get get a picture so you can remember car registration. Absolutely
8: you have it all <laughs> <laughs> alright Connor.
3: we leave it there listen thanks for that enjoy the bank holiday weekend and we'll speak again soon
8: take care Thank thanks
3: you. a million Thank bye, you. bye bye that is Sergeant Connor McCarthy who is based at Bandon Garda station for this week's uh, Garda file ok we're going to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way Cork today on C103
1: with John Cusack Insurance's Sale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: This hour we're going to be talking about the excitement leading to the first of the Ed Sheeran concerts which is on in uh, Porky Cueve tonight and the second one tomorrow night. And uh, MRH Tuig, our news reporter, will be joining us with the do's and the don'ts and all the info you need if you're one of the lucky ones going along to the show tonight. Now earlier in the week we had been talking about Ed Sheeran tickets, at the cheering concerts because Michelle, one of our listeners, was in a bit of a pickle and a bit of a dilemma because she'd bought five tickets for herself and her hobby and her three children and all of her three children. Or under the age of twelve, I'm sure, and she only discovered this week when she got her tickets that it clearly states that under 14s are not allowed in the standing area, whether they're accompanied by an adult or not. They must be in the seated area, and she hadn't realised that, and she admitted herself she'd booked it rather quickly, didn't read the small uh, print. Well, somebody else, no, we got that sorted. In, in fairness to uh, Aiken Promotion, they got onto Ticketmaster on our behalf and on Michelle's behalf, and we've had the tickets. Swapped out for seated tickets So Michelle and her husband And her three children Will be going on to the show tonight And no doubt They'll have a great great night But it's prompted somebody else to say I heard you speak earlier About the edge here in tickets And under 14s not allowed on the pitch I'm sending you on a photo Of when I booked our tickets Back in September of last year I sent it on to my sister Before I checked out Because we will have under 14s in our group You can clearly say that it says Pitch standing under 16s with an adult, we bought the tickets and it was only in the event information afterwards that we saw under 14s not allowed on the pitch. So I just got that checked to see is, is, that, a, is that a mistake by Ticketmaster that they let you buy the tickets, believing that under 16s can be accompanied by an adult in the standing area. Now, when you purchase your tickets, they say, oh, no, if you're under 14, you can't be in the standing area. John Paul just went online there to try to book tickets And uh, he says, yes, the under 16s with an adult is clearly stated, but he said there's an info section that you click on. And when you click on that info section, it does state before you purchase the tickets that under 14s are not allowed on the pitch uh, area. And I I think that's going to cause problems because I do think people will have purchased the tickets not realising that under 14s will not be allowed in the standing area, they can be in the seated area. I think there could be a bit of problem for some people tonight on that one. So please be warned if you have purchased standing only tickets nobody under 14 is allowed into that area. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Let me take a look at some of your texts coming into the programme. Mary in Cork City said Patricia could you possibly tell me what is the name slash type of device that was mentioned on your Garda file slot that you can use to turn on a light in your home when you are out? Many thanks. That's Mary in Cork City. Well Mary I can tell you the one I use it's just one of those simple timer devices that you it's, it's actually the very same timer device that I have on my heating as well it just literally plugs into the wall and then you can put whatever device into the plug and set the timer accordingly. I've certainly purchased a few of them in any hardware shop. You'll, you'll see them in supermarkets as well, but certainly a hardware shop. It's just a normal timer. And what I certainly do, if ever we're away, I'll put the timer on and I'll plug in a, you know, like a standard lamp into it. And then I set the timer so that the light will come on, you know, as night time is, is approaching and then it stays on to maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and then it automatically uh, goes off but it's just a simple timer that you'll need to plug a you'll plug your lamp into it and then set the timer for how many hours you want it on and off any hardware store will be able to sort you out with that and then a lot of commentary coming in with regards to Deputy Pat Buckley when he joined us when he was talking about respite services and lack of respite services and what has happened to respite services since COVID and I think at the start of the pandemic everybody understood why respite services end, ended because we were trying to keep everybody safe we didn't have vaccines at the time and there was a fear factor that if you had respite houses open and people coming and going if somebody came in with COVID-19 it could get passed on not just to the staff but to the other people availing of the respite services and I think everybody understood it but now we're at a situation where we have huge numbers of people vaccinated huge numbers of people also having immunity because they've already picked up uh, COVID-19 and the respite services, both short term and long term, certainly has has gone nowhere near the way they were pre-pandemic. And pre-pandemic, we already didn't have enough respite services and now to have even less is causing huge problems for so, so many families. And that led me, when I was chatting with Pat Buckley, just about, generally the health service and I was making the point and it's the one thing that really irks and annoys me that every time we seem to have a problem in health the Department of Finance will put more money into the Department of Health and we just seem to it's got into billions the amount of money we spend every year in health and we don't seem to be able to sort out our health service that has uh, that has led to a number of people contacting us this morning. Dan says, Patricia, listening to Councillor or to Deputy Pat Buckley early, earlier, he is so right and so spot on. The public health service, I feel, is a disaster, says Dan. I was recently referred by my GP for an essential treatment to the HSE on the public service. To be informed, uh, there's a five-year waiting list. Now, Dan says it's an essential treatment. His doctor has pointed out he needs to have this name has gone in and he's been told he'll be five years on the waiting list Dan says I'm in my 70s our ministers and T D seem to be just going through the motions and yet they're all on giant salaries it's yeah and those waiting lists again mentioning Covid have just gotten longer and longer they were long we had huge waiting lists before Covid but because all of that work stopped the waiting list. Did I, did I see a figure? And I, I keep meaning to check this. I'm sure I read it in the paper during the week. Is that 200,000 people are on waiting lists at the moment. It's incredible. So the five years, I don't know when you heard the, when you heard that it was going to be five years, Dan. That could even be longer. My heart goes out to you. Uh, Michael says, hi. hi, Patricia, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Michael. Thanks for asking. I really feel that the health service needs a complete overhaul and we need it from top to bottom. Where is this bells and whistles slant to care that we've heard so much about? It appears to have hit a brick wall. You have statements every day from the hospitals here in Cork saying they are chocker block people queuing out the door and people are being told to go to a GP. In many GP practices, you'll wait at least a week. To see a doctor. Private home care, Michael says, in some cases, if they have the staff, seems, in Michael's opinion, to work better because private home care providers will cover weekends and bank holidays whereas within the public sector run by the HSE, they generally speaking, says Michael, don't cover bank holidays or weekends. So he's certainly not against the private home care uh, providers. I think what Pat Buckley's point on it was everything moving to private care, it's all about profit and that in itself can lead to can lead to a service the the actual end user not being the priority the prior priority is instead the profits that are made by the company so I can see where Pat was coming from and why he's nervous about that and Heidi says morning Patricia I think throwing more money at the HSE is not going to make a difference what's needed is a complete overhaul we appear to have too many managers and then on the ground we don't seem to have enough doctors and nurses we even have our own people having to travel to Belfast getting on a a bus to travel to Belfast for a simple cataract operation that says Heidi appears to be well out of order but they'll soon find money for the people who are coming into this country and may and will need medical attention so the government should be given a good shake up Lives are being lost, Heidi feels because of their incompetence and something needs to be done about it. And that's from Heidi to O eight uh, six two one oh three one oh three. John Paul taking your calls at O eight one eight 103
2: 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council
1: Where communities and businesses all across the county Can get the support they need at CorkCoco.ie
3: Dukas Flanakilti, the heritage group They're holding their final lecture of the current season It'll be on via Zoom Tonight at half past eight Now the Tom Daly will speak on the centenary Of Angartha is A uniquely Irish experiment in policing Anybody interested, you can pre-register This afternoon on the Dukas Connacilty Heritage Facebook page. Next draw for Kildallery Community Lottery. That goes ahead this afternoon at four. Tickets are on sale all at the local outlets and at the community office. And Macroom Flower and Garden Club. They'll host a floral demonstration by Nora Gallagher of IFA entitled Onwards and Upwards. It's on... Tonight at 8 o'clock, Cool Carra House. New members, visitors, most welcome. There will be club competition and there will be a sales table. More inquiries 087 982 1708. And Butman GAA Club, they will present Johnny Brady in the Charleville Park Hotel tomorrow night, Friday. Tickets available at the door, with proceeds going towards the refurbishment of the hall. Your support would be much appreciated. And Grow Remote West Cork, they're marking National Workplace Wellbeing Day, which is happening tomorrow, with a walk at one o'clock. All remote workers are encouraged to come out to different locations across the West Cork area. For example, in Bantry, you meet in front of SuperValu for a walk uh, around uh, Sesslin Loop in Skibbereen. the meet is Loch Iron Pier for a scenic lake walk and if you're in Clonakilty, you meet at the Clonakilty Distillery Car Park for a walk around the estuary
2: Cork today on C103 with
1: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie
3: and we will be talking about the Ed Sheeran concert in a couple of minutes because I've just seen a question from somebody. I'm just wondering, do you know uh, is it possible to buy tickets from somebody I know on Facebook? I was going to buy them but then somebody else has told me this morning that you can only gain access to the concert if your name is on the ticket and I'm wondering is that true? I don't want to buy tickets and not be able to use them. Yeah, they're non-transferable tickets. That's why they are digital tickets that get downloaded to somebody's phone. That's why they're telling people to have their phones fully charged. I did hear of a dad Last weekend in Dublin who had purchased two sets of two tickets for both of his daughters and his daughter's friends and he did it on his credit card he did it like Christmas presents to his daughters and their friends and he didn't realise until he got the tickets that he had to physically be there and of course he obviously wasn't going to go along though he ended up it got, it got eventually sorted out because he realised it earlier on the week before the concert and I think he ended up getting the tickets transferred over to his daughter but there was a bit of rig roll in it so just be very careful about buying tickets from anyone even from somebody you know because they innocently might sell them on and think it'll be okay and you could have a problem it's all to do with ticket time and Ed Sheeran is very very strong on this. The amount of concerts in the past where people bought tickets no intention of going and then they sold them at inflated prices and uh, it's something that really annoys Ed Sheeran and because of that they've brought in this digital way of buying tickets so you've got to be in attendance I don't know if you have to have the credit card with you but you certainly have to be there to, get, to gain access to the venue so just be very very careful. And then somebody when we were talking earlier about the different issues that are going on for Ukraine in particular, the Sunflower Project. Somebody says, I'm living near Douglas. Does anybody know where I can drop off good, clean adult female clothes and shoes and I'm assuming because that came in when we were talking about Ukraine that somebody wants to give it to the Ukrainian refugees so anybody in the Douglas area are you aware of anywhere where somebody can drop off clean female adult clothes and uh, shoes and if it's not if it's if it's just that you want to get them recycled and reused if you've got a good charity shop any of the charity shops uh, will take them as well from you but if it's for Ukraine which I think it is judging by the time that text uh, came in maybe a listener out there can let us know if there's a election point for Ukraine for clothes for refugees living here at the moment in the Douglas area 0818 103 103 and Alexander has been on by text say hey, Patricia I'm just wondering if your website has the facility of listening to an archived show or show that has been broadcast thanking you well if it's this particular show yes we do we podcast this particular show it goes up as a podcast every afternoon and if you just go on to if you either have the app or go on to our website at C103 certainly there's and there's it's not the only The, the ours gets podcast every day but there's other shows up there as well so if you go onto our website C103 and then somebody was asking about the turf remember we were talking about the turf war yesterday and that there was a vote in the Dáil yesterday somebody by text was saying what happened to that vote did it pass or not well the government survived it. the vote in the Dáil they survived by 70 votes to 64 on turf selling after potential rebels were persuaded to remain on board. TDs, it was a Sinn Féin motion calling on the Dáil to approve a motion to scrap plans to restrict the sale of turf and we know these restrictions are due to come in from September. Now despite a number of senior ministers who weren't available including Leo Varadkar wasn't there, Pascal Donoghue, Simon Coveney, uh, Charlie McCongle, they were all absent and there was a number of other government TDs who were in Strasbourg the government still defeated uh, Sinn Féin on the amendment. The vote in the end was 72 votes to uh, 63. So, while some people are thinking, well, is that the end of it now. Will the ban on turf go through? I read with great interest this morning a piece that says the European Commission will have the final say on regulations which will underpin the government's plan to ban turf. And they could veto exceptions to support small rural communities. The government at the moment are at pains to point out that they really do want to protect the small rural communities and there's this notion that's been put forward that, you know, villages and and areas that have 500 people or less, that they will be allowed to continue to burn turf and sell turf and gift turf to neighbours and friends and that it's all to do with getting rid of the smoky fuels from larger urban areas and we've all been told and um, the Green Party Eamon Ryan is a pains to point out that they don't want to target small rural communities as indeed are Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin but it now seems that they could get overruled by the European Commission the Eamon Ryan is receiving demands from all of the coalition colleagues and he's been constantly asked to review what are yet to be introduced regulations they're not in yet however there are fears that any significant changes to the rules will simply be shot down by the European Commission Are it could lead to legal action by coal companies because coal companies will be the ones they will see their products banned and if they feel their products are being banned and other products are not you can straight away see that there's going to be a legal challenge and that's one of the reasons why the whole thing about turf came into it in the first place and last night the Taoiseach Mihol Martin was at a parliamentary party he was pointing out look the real villain in all of this is Smoky Coal. Everything they wanted to do was to ban Smoky Coal but of course it was the coal companies were saying well if you're going to ban our products then you've got to ban wet wood and you're going to have to ban turf and that's how this whole debate first started. Now Mihol Martin last night again said the rights of people who have turf on their land will always be protected. However, He did add at the end of that parliamentary party meeting that the finalised regulations will have to be referred to the European Commission. So even though the government, the coalition parties will do everything that they can to protect the rights of people who have turf on their land and small rural communities and people who rely on turf it could be completely shot down by the European Commission. So the turf wars that we certainly have been referring to for the last number of weeks, I don't think that story is over yet. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about it between now and when it actually comes in in September. It's certainly, it's it's not going to be as clear cut. 0818 103 three. We were talking about voting earlier on and in particular there's the call from the Children's Rights Alliance on behalf of young people that we should lower the age of voting. At the moment you've got to be 18 years of age in order to vote in local elections, general elections European elections or in any of our referendums and the call has been made to lower that age to 16. Well Deirdre in the City was listening to us and she said what drives her off her head was the phrase she used. Is there are local representatives in air Erin, when a vote has been called and they're not there? Are they abstain? Sorry, something's not, not there. They abstain from the vote. Surely she says that's like going into the polling booth and not not voting or not turning up to vote. That they shouldn't be allowed to abstain. They should be either saying, one way or the other, I agree or dis- disagree, but she does not like to hear of our elected representatives abstaining. I don't know if other people agree with that or not. Oh, 0818103103. Oh oh and the Aldi issue that I mentioned earlier where we're hearing calls in from people saying that, we and we're trying to find out, is it across all Aldi stores, that children must be, and we're trying to find out, is this teenagers as well, must be accompanied by an, an adult. We have reached out to Aldi and we are waiting on their reply. they have haven't come back to us yet, so we haven't forgotten about that issue. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three.
2: Cork today on C one zero three with John Cusack.
1: Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the
3: talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C one zero three.
3: As everybody getting very, very excited about the first of the two con- concerts at Porky Cueve, which is the first concert. Our news reporter, Mairead week joins us with all of the details if you're one of the people heading along. Good afternoon to you, Mairead. Good afternoon,
9: Patricia. How are you?
3: I'm very well. I'm told you're out and sitting in the sun and soaking up the a- atmosphere already. And what a tough job oh, that am. you have to do.
9: <laughs> very tough. I'm here in my sunglasses on last key on the boardwalk, just taking it all in and it's been amazing. I've been talking to a few business owners earlier, um, including Kevin Hurley, the president of the CBA, and I've been talking to Sean McCarthy of Tequila Jacks here as well and the buzz is just palpable like I mean, you know, the bookings for restaurants is, is high and there's going to be so many people around here this evening that it's great to see these big events back. I mean, we've had two tough years there with the, the pandemic and lockdowns and everything, so it's just wonderful to see this back again in the city and as i say the buzz is just everywhere and to have the sun shining i mean what more would you want
3: absolutely do we know if ed sheeran has arrived in cork yet i don't
9: know he hasn't walked past me or anything so and i've been keeping a close eye out so i haven't seen him um i'd imagine that he probably is around i mean i was in parky queen myself on tuesday and they were building the stage and it was it was a height of activity so i take it that he is around somewhere and uh But if I spot him around the city now, I'll be sure to tell him that we're looking forward to the concert.
3: Yeah, because I'm sure there'll probably be a sound check this this afternoon uh, as well for that. OK, first things first, the tickets are digital tickets. There's there's important things to remember about your tickets tonight and tomorrow night.
9: Absolutely. So you'll find your, your tickets are, this is a fully digital uh, concert so you need to make sure that your phone is charged when you're getting there and the tickets will be on your app that you'll have so the important thing here is that you enter uh, to Parky e. Cueve with the person who purchased the tickets but you can transfer those tickets then as well for once you're inside uh, gone through the first is those ticket barrier now, you've, uh, detailed instructions have been sent out and I understand there that uh, Patricia you have a click of uh, Eamon O'Boyle who's the event controller and he's got some advice there on tickets and he's also advising people, you know if you're packing your bag to bring it to the concert, just be conscious of what size it is because A4 size is the max you can bring. So I'm sure you have that, that there. Yeah, here it Aiman is,
3: Aboy. this is this is Eamon O'Boyle who is the event controller.
7: These series of concerts are uh, some of the first within the entertainment industry that have, uh, you know, that are completely digital, that we've digital tickets uh, for that, so, for the concert. So it's very important that we make sure that you know the ticket you have is for the correct date. In other words, that you're you're not coming a day late or a day early uh, with uh, with your ticket. Uh, we'd also like you to make sure that when you're coming to the uh, particularly the ticket checks and that that your telephones are charged and uh, <coughs> fully charged. And also, you know, we'd advise people to download their tickets from Ticketmaster uh, onto your phone before before show day rather than be trying to do it at the at the, uh, at, the entr- at the entry at the entry. Also, there has been quite a bit of information that would have been sent to people from uh, Ticketmaster, and we ask people to pay particular attention uh, to the information that's provided there, particularly in relation to uh, things like transferring and downloading of tickets and that, so that's very important also. Uh, There is a no-bags policy for people coming into the ground. I mean, bags greater than A4 size won't be permitted uh, into the ground.
3: OK, so the big handbag, leave it leave it at home, uh, Maraid. And I do think good advice for Eamon on the correct day when there's two concerts tonight and tomorrow night because I actually saw on social media last weekend in Dublin there was a number of people who turned up on the wrong night. Their tickets were for the following night.
9: Oh, you'd be devastated, especially if you came a day late. Um, <laughs> it would be nothing worse than it. So do check those tickets and make sure that, because as, as far as I remember, when these concerts were announced, it was the Thursday initially, then the Friday was added. So maybe at the time you decided, oh, I'll, I'll change my tickets over or I'll keep the ones I have. So it's no harm just check that, just to be 100% sure. Because as far as I'm aware, this is going to be an epic gig and it's certainly one that you're not going to want to miss. So I suppose that brings me on to... You know how do I get there? And it's so important to plan your journey when you're going. There's I mean 35,000 people all heading down to the one spot in Cork tonight, another 35,000 tomorrow night. So, like, they're strongly encouraging the use of public transport where possible. And if you are parking, you know, there's a lot of car parks in the city center. Make sure you're parking legally because you don't want to block anyone if there's an emergency, you know, anywhere. You need to make sure that you're not blocking any emergency vehicles from getting places so the advice is they're in the city if you do have um, a disabled pass or a blue badge holder you will be permitted to go down to as far as the link road between monaghan road and Central park road so if people who are familiar with live at the marquee where that entrance is there's a kind of a road get back off the other one so that's where you can go as far as with the view that you take care back to the city but inspector james Hallahan, there i think you have a clip of him there as well Patricia yeah okay there is the esp car park is Near the, the venue, and there will be some allowances there for people to park if they do have a badge. So, that, okay. I think you have that. Uh, yeah, clip. I have a
3: number of clips from uh, James um, Hallahan. Uh, let, let's start first with um, anti-social behaviour because we need to remember that Porky Creeve is in a residential area.
10: It is a residential area. We can see from looking out the windows here the, hall, the houses in the area. So again, when people are coming down, they have to be respectful. Of the area, they have to be respectful of the community, which is very much uh, kept clean by local residents and city council. So again, bins will be provided for people to discard their rubbish. Drinking alcohol in public is a no-no. We won't tolerate it. If we do see it, we will seize the drink, and people are liable for fines on the spot if that is the case. Urinating in people's gardens or public places again, nobody wants to see it. There are public toilets in the area that will allow people to use them if needs be, so we don't want to see it as well. We will have a zero-tolerance policy in relation to anti-social behaviour. Okay, it's a family event, it's people coming down to enjoy themselves. We don't expect it, we don't want to see it, and we will have a zero-tolerance in relation to it as well. So we will have resources up in Kennedy Key, Black Rock Road areas as well, just again to make sure that people get down safely, and if there is any anti-social behaviour, we will respond very quickly and remove it from the area as well.
3: OK, yeah, I think that's good advice. Be mindful that people have to live in that area as well. Now, Inspector James Hanlon also spoke about drop-offs.
10: Taxis will be Victoria Road. Uh, private bus operators, we would uh, suggest they park on Boreham Manor Road uh, by the, the Circle K along there, which is really normal, normal for even the matches here that they would park. Again, people with special needs, we will allow them to come down to Link Road and access from the Link Road but with the view that they will have to get cars back up to the city centre. Uh, we will facilitate, in some cases, disabled parking in the area, but it is very restricted down here. If you are dropping, you can drop someone at the top of Maryville and then come down the hill. But Again, we will have, obviously enough, the share volume of people coming in, there will be traffic delays in the area, so we would expect people more to use Boring Manor Road if you are dropping. So they can come down Crab Lane or Churchyard Lane, rather than come down Blackrock Road. The marina, well, the marina is closed to traffic anyway, um, because it's a public amenity at this point. The ESB car park will be utilised to some degree by staff in the area and also disabled, people with disabled passengers. Okay,
3: they seem to have a really good traffic management in place and of course you only need to be around Porky Creve if you either live there or you're going to the concert because the area around Porky Creve will be in lockdown. So
10: we have a cordon plan which will kick off on 10 o'clock on Thursday and Friday. Uh, people that are familiar with the matches down here, the inner cordon plan is Maryville Estate which is just across on my left, Park Avenue, Ard the Monaghan Road and the Central Park Road links, uh, they will kick off at 10 o'clock on both Thursday and Friday, so parking in this area will be very much restricted, uh, so we would advise people uh, using the area not to park inside inner Cordon. Residents will have access to Maryville and Park Avenue as their right and we won't be pre- preventing that. But again, just as a safety measure, we would ask the residents to have some form of identification or something just to, again, uh, allow us to give access to the estate. The outer cordon, which will have a bigger impact on businesses businesses in the area, will kick in at 3 o'clock. So from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock, we will have uh, in an outer cordon, which is from the Monaghan Road and the Centre Park Road roundabouts, Churchyard Lane and Crab Lane. From 3 to 5, that plan will be very much on... Preventing illegal parking in the area. We want businesses to continue as normal. We won't be impacting on the businesses in any way, shape, or form, in for that three or that uh, period of time. Because again, we're conscious that they, while we are all coming down to watch the concerts, they need to get on with their business, and we don't impact on that anyway. At five o'clock, unfortunately, things change. We have to lock down the area from five o'clock onwards. That is just due to the sheer volume of people we expect between five and 7 o'clock going to the concert. You've 35,000 people on both nights coming to the concert. So again, we just need to ensure that those 35,000 people get down here safely.
3: Okay, well done, and our thanks to Inspector James Halland for all of that information. Question in for you, Mairead. What about the marina market? Will the parking around Kennedy's Quay be closed off for the concert tonight? Do you know if that's closed off?
9: Um, well, I think the important thing to remember there is that for the Marina Market, if you're going there, that you park in the designated parking area because the area around Kennedy Key there is camping in operation there. And I know a few weeks ago, there was a story about that uh, from the Port of Cork, that that's a working port. So there is, I'd be very careful parking there and keeping an eye out for those signs because there is camping in operation there because uh, you don't want to block off the, the busy port operation. So um, as far as I'm aware, once the marina market is is once you're going to the marina market you can park in the designated area but outside of that um there is camping in operations and there is signs up there as well so i would be quite conscious of that i'd imagine if you came if you wanted to come into the city going into those multi-story car parks is probably your best option there and again just watch the times of those because i know some of the multi-stories have different times that they are opening and closing so be quite conscious of that as well i know the park and ride is in operation um, I was talking to Bus both there and earlier and they said that like, people who would remember the Ed Sheeran concert a few years back, there was shuttle buses running, but they are not running this year. So don't expect those shuttle buses this year because they, they decided against uh, as far as I know the National Transport Authority decided um, against running those shuttle buses so they're not going to be in operation okay. so again if you can use the, you know the bus services I think is at the 202 and just keep an eye on the, the bus area and, website and you'll see timetables there but I would be conscious around the Marina Market because there is some of the parking around there is um, you could be clamped if you park there so just well, no, you don't no, want to that. that you've enjoyed in-
3: yeah <laughs> nobody, nobody wants, wants so that And be
9: conscious of that and, and, and Anne
3: is listening to us in Ballon Temple and says as she types she's listening to the band practicing ahead of the Ed Sheeran concert tonight she said it's lovely to hear it and she particularly likes the song that we played a couple of minutes ago so Anne is enjoying oh, listening crazy, to Ed Sheeran yeah. from the comfort of her own home in Ballantemple. Temple um, what is this about you going to a tattoo parlor after the Ed Sheeran concert tonight?
5: <laughs>
3: well,
9: It's a totally uh, different, I was saying it to Jean Paul that it's a, it's a story not actually related we'll say to Ed Sheeran but I was saying if I went there and happened to come across someone who maybe might be deciding to get a special tattoo that it would be a very interesting story I also may have hinted to him that imagine if I got one myself but I don't think that's in the plan any soon. So, uh, but the uh, that's a, a, another story that we'll be running in our news. It's to do with As I Am, the, the National uh, Autism Charity. They're, they're running a, a fundraiser there in, in Black Poppy Tattoo Parlor in the city centre. So no, I'd say to her, don't expect a big Ed Sheeran on my back. Yeah, because I was just, and,
3: and, and, <laughs> and I know, and I know because I was at Ed Sheeran the last time and I came out full <laughs> of love for Ed Sheeran. I really yeah. did. I was on an absolute high but please, to anybody considering getting a tattoo, do not do it after <laughs> just because you're so because you can wake up the next day going, do I really love Ed Sheeran that much? So so please bear that in mind. And just one final one final thing. It is an outdoor event. And while you're sitting there with your sunnies on, lapping up the vitamin D and getting your sunshine today and feeling lovely and warm as we head into the evening time. I mean, Ed Sheeran isn't on stage, I think until eight o'clock it'll start to get chillier. You need to bear in mind it is an outdoor event and, you know, dress appropriately.
9: Absolutely, that's it. And do dress appropriately. And and with that, I suppose, you know, there's a lot of things that you're not allowed to bring in with you, including the umbrellas. So, like, bring your your raincoat, your rain poncho. Just to, like, I mean, we can't predict what's going to happen later. There is no roof on the stadium, so if you are going to be you know in a place where you could get soaked just come prepared because you just never know what might happen and just to mention you know like if you are having a standing ticket like don't you can't bring in a folding chair or anything or you know things like that yeah no selfie sticks as well i know people are fond of a selfie and like taking pictures and things at, at concerts so none of that you know no don't bring any food or, or drinks with you there will be food uh, vendors and, and drink vendors inside and with that bring your id as well if you're intending on on drinking some alcohol there and and purchasing it there. No, like, you know, don't bring bottles or glasses or anything, because there will be searches. If you do bring a bag with you, as we said earlier, nothing bigger than A4 size, but they will be subject to a search on the way in. And I suppose that brings me to allow the time for all of this as well. You don't want to miss a minute of this concert. And uh, the the opening acts, Denise Child is on at 6, they've got Maisie Peters coming on at 7, and Ed is due on around 8 p.m. So just, Account for first of all traffic delays, make sure you know how you're getting there and then account for the queues to get in and to make sure you have your tickets downloaded because you can imagine if a hundred people get to the gate and don't have tickets downloaded, you're then delaying it. Onto the same yeah, platform. Yeah, and you're delaying it for everybody make else. It as, as be, prepared.
3: As be prepared Be prepared. And you know
9: what? I'm here, as I said, on the boardwalk on Lap Key, and I know we've as a station got some music going on here later, so I bet it's going to be absolutely buzzing. And uh, so enjoy the, like, enjoy the like experience can, it's not just when you get in there it's and all I always... certainly
3: can hear the excitement in your uh, voice we look, for, <laughs> we look forward to hearing tomorrow how, how you got on and be mindful of be
9: tomorrow. mindful <laughs> of that
3: tattoo listen Mairead pleasure as always thank you for that and thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining for us that is our thank news you. reporter Mairead Tuig on a high heading off to the Edge Hearing Concert tonight and we've had some calls in from people wondering if the tunnel is going to be open tonight and tomorrow as it was closed last Night For works. We've been on to TII and they say the Jack Lynch Tunnel will be open tonight and tomorrow. That's where I have to leave it uh, for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. If you're going to the concert tonight, enjoy. Talk to you tomorrow at 10.
4: Court
2: today on C103
1: with Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Planning
9: for your next trip?